We want better schools. We want them now. Stand in our way, and you'll catch these eight black hands with Ankrum, Cole, El Mecky, and Stewart. Join us now for an hour or more of talk on education and culture. Well, Merry New Year's. Merry New Year. <laughs> Okay, y'all didn't see the movie. Anyways, uh, you are back with another A Black Hands podcast, but this time it's special because it's 2021. We are done with the 2020. That nonsense is over. We're looking for a better year this year. We got the four brothers all together at the same time tonight. We want to talk about black belt education advocacy. And the reason that we want to talk about it is because I'm tired. <laughs> Uh, talked to, to uh, Dr. Cole about this this week. I'm just tired of everything that we fought about last year. I'm tired about the silly Twitter battles. I'm, I'm, I'm tired about the think piece. Tired of the think pieces. I'm, I'm tired of the no traction. I'm tired of the starting a new year, one after the other, year after year with our children, the 8 million being behind and us not seeming to have an adequate black agenda to pull them ahead. So wanted to talk about that tonight so that we can set the tone for the full year. It's 2021. Do we want this year to be better than last year? Do we want the activism and all the advocacy that we do to be more impactful and to do more than it did last year? Fellas, good evening. Welcome. What's up with each of y'all? Let's do the round. See what's up with everybody. Well, you call it on, bro. Listen, you know, you ain't got to call on people. See, TFA, I'm calling on you, Dr. Cole. Let's just roll with Dr. Cole first. Well, one, I'm happy to see all you brothers. Uh, you know, uh, Sharif is still as ever uh, defiant as always, but it's okay. Uh, I'm happy to see you, brother. Uh, He's anti-lighting. <laughs> I'm happy to see uh, my brother podcast, Diddy, up there. You know what I'm saying? Shining in this piece. Uh, I'm just, listen, man, it, it was a rough year. It's a lot of stuff happening, uh, me both personally and professionally, um, you know, and so it, take care of your health. Um, I have people in my family that's having some issues um, without going into too much detail, but it, it's, it's uh, you know, it's, it's rough. And I hope there's a magic switch that starts everything over for 2021, but uh, I'm not very uh, confident in that. But uh, this is one of the best places I want to be. It's, it's here and my Black Man's Book Club. Those are the two places uh, that bring me the most joy. So uh, I'm happy to see each and every one of y'all. And I love y'all. That's what's up, man. Make this 2021 the year of black health. There you All go. Right. Uh, uh, in the bunker. Let's talk Yo. to you. Brother L. Mackie. What's happening, man? Hey, man. Happy New Year to y'all um, and all the listeners out there. Good to good to see y'all. Um, I appreciated hearing, listening to the last show as far as like New Year's resolutions. It was cool to kind of, uh, you know, halfway through be able to jump in the audience and just listen. And so, I, you know, I really enjoyed that. And as far as this year, man, like, yeah, 2020 was definitely rough, um, both personally as well as worldwide. And I think, you know, 2021 just got to step in with faith boldness and, and gratitude as well. Right. And so keeping that perspective and looking forward to the year to come. That's amazing. Good to see you, brother. And we're going to podcast Diddy all up in the videos, all up on the <laughs> stage. Podcast Diddy. What's up, brother? Yo, my audio, come back to me. I got to Okay. 
Yeah, but we can hear you. But we, we can hear you with your expensive <laughs> Apple headset on. We can we can hear you. Hey, come back to me. I got to do okay, something we'll, different. Okay, we'll All come right. back to you. All right, <laughs> like, we'll let yo, him do that. Well, let's set up the show, oh, brothers. The show. Um, listen, I don't mean to be negative. I do mean to be negative. Let me, say, not, sure? let me not. Let me not start a sentence with a lie. Um, um, the problem that we have been talking about that brought us together is old now. It is. It was old before we even started. The idea that there are eight million black children in the United States that are not getting the education that they deserve, that are not being um, educated and prepared for the world, is tired. It's old. And I'm sick of the discussion, just to be very honest with you. But this year, we have friends and family who do activism, advocacy, policy work. Um, they target lawmakers and and the press and the journalists and whatever. I don't know that if I'm having a good analysis of this or not, but it doesn't feel like we're making the amount of traction that we should make. So this is my setup for tonight for us to discuss. Um, if we really wanted to make our kids a real priority, if we said we're sick of our kids not being a priority and this year we're going to do it. I want to talk about what that means this for us, you know, uh, who consider ourselves activists. Um, I mean that we should be clear, informed and more urgent than we've ever been clear, informed and more urgent. Those three things. But let's start with the first one on clear. I don't feel like we have a shared idea of what the problem is. When we talk about education, the eight black uh, uh, kids, eight black million not getting great education or whatnot. I don't think we're all on the same page what the problem is. So what's the clearest that we could possibly be if we had to describe the educational problem that we have with our kids so that we have a shared shared agenda or shared uh, definition. Start with you, Dr. Cole, because you and because I, I called you <laughs> and just kind of vented to you about this. Um, so what's your takeaway on the clear part? What's the clearest we could be about the problem? Well, I mean, when you talk about being clear and even in the notes that I kind of took down, it is we have to we got to understand that 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 education civilians are not seeing 30 schools and 40 and 50 schools, right? Like if you have been in just bad schools, you probably haven't seen the greatness that, that that's kind of out there and what you deserve. So for instance, I wear glasses for a long time. I didn't know I needed glasses until I was sitting in the back of the room and everybody else could see the board and I couldn't, you know what I'm saying? I think that sometimes when we look at our schools and that's all we've had or whatnot, we haven't seen what's quite possible. So I think one is we got to showcase the greatness that's out there that we actually have access to. And that like there are black folks getting a good education. There are schools that are serving black kids pretty, pretty well. And I think we need to tell their stories better. I think we need to actually make that very practical around what that is, what that looks like. Uh, because I've talked about this with my mom before. My mother didn't know what a good classroom looked like. She just knew did I get my name on the board. Were they respectful? Did I get a good grade? Did I not get in trouble? Right. Like she hasn't been taught like this is what you look for inside of a classroom, inside of a school or whatever the case is. Right. So I think that's one way that we have to be very clear is that we have to show exemplars so people actually have something to compare to and they have to see themselves reflected in those exemplars so they know that it's possible and they, and they should get righteously indignant after seeing. It. 
And I see Naomi is trolling us in the comments already. I'm not even I'm not even gonna give it energy, but I'm just gonna say, I'm just gonna say this much. In Naomi's new role, we could do what you said, Dr. Cole. We can lift up schools that are being run by us or for us, because we have connections to people like Naomi who are gonna be leading an entire sector of people that run schools that that the world should know about. Ray, you are back, man. What's up, brother? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm 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 well. Thanks for asking, man. I just had to get uh yeah, it don't work with the board. It don't work you with the board. What doesn't work with the board? No, I was oh, saying, the, yeah. the headphones don't work with the board, bro. No, no, that's not what I was trying to do. Oh. My camera was my camera was acting up and I didn't want to look shitty like Reef. So I, I, I decided <laughs> Man, to go. You wish you could look as half as good as, as what I'm doing over here. <laughs> Sharif Reef. is the only one that looks like he's in the daytime right now, just so y'all know. <laughs> so yeah. uh Ray, that's we were setting I this up. Know. We we had jumped in, bro. We we um we were talking right now about the three things that I think we need to do to make activism better for us this year to be clear, to be informed, and to be urgent. And we were starting with the first one, like what's the clearest we can be. Now we'll come back to you in a second. I, I, I want to jump to Sharif because Dr. Cole just jumped in. Sharif and then uh and then Ray, what's the clearest that we can tell people the problem actually is? What what's the clearest we can be about de- defining the problem? Yeah, I mean I, I definitely second with what uh Dr. Cole said, you know, around like what's possible, what are the exemplars and making sure that we're promoting them, not just talking about the crap, but also showing like where where things shining, where folks doing well, where black kids succeeding. I think another piece that that is a thread across the educational ecosystem are we could be clearer about the expectations. Like what is the bar? The bar is the bar is the bar. And if we have these high expectations for black children and we know it, then we can hold people accountable no matter where they sit in the sector. Right. If they're on the school board and they have low expectations, if we're clear as far as what we should be demanding from people who are in schools, in districts, in uh, C-suites within the districts, like then we can be, you know, we can be more transparent and we can organize and coalesce around that, right? And so establishing what that bar is, establishing what we expect, because you can have a high bar even if kids are behind. If kids enter behind, so I get tired of hearing about Oh, these children, oh, they they didn't have this. They didn't have that. They're entering kindergarten, uh, you know, behind. So I'm just decreasing everything. Right. I already had low expectations because of my racial biases. But now because oh, you had a rough life, now I'm going to lower. I'm going to depress it even further. And then that that trajectory just continues where it's almost a flat line, you know, um, throughout their 13 years of experience. And so for me, one of the big things is just like, what is the bar and how do we hold people accountable for high expectations for ourselves as educators, as well as everyone else in the in the ecosystem? So, so, so far we got before we go so far, we got show people excellent, like show excellent schools. That's what Dr. Cole said. And, and our and, people in excellent schools. And our people in excellent schools, uh, Sharif just said, define the bar. Coming to you, a school leader, uh, Ray, one of the things that I wanted to ask you about this, though, is how do we get people to know more what you know? Because oftentimes our leaders say things like we need to fully fund our schools and they think that's the end of anything else you have to say about K-12 education. Like you're in a leadership position, like you're elected official. Someone asks you on the spot, what do you think about K-12 education? And you say, well, you know, we got to fully fund our schools. We can't allow our people to be that facile. So what else would you add to that conversation? All right. So first and foremost, I want to uh, piggyback off what Reef was saying. I think a lot of times when we talk about this low bar that we have, 
I think also we got to highlight the fact that there are parents that bring their kids into kindergarten without being able to read. So, like, what's the bar with that? And what's the level of accountability with that without us parent shaming, but setting a high bar as to, like, what should be occurring at home in terms of what we should be doing in order to get kids ready for kindergarten. I mean, being on the front lines and seeing these kids come in, I mean, you'll see some kids that come in reading on a level D. Then you'll see some kids coming in reading, uh, not reading at all, like on an AA pre-reading, right? And so, you know, a good teacher is going to get those kids to where they need to be by the end of the year, of course. But why are they coming in at level AA? And why are some kids coming in at level D? And what are, what can we do in order to make sure that those those kids that are coming in at a level at a level AA are doing the same things that those parents are doing to bring those kids in at a level D? And I know this is going to cause some disruption or whatever because people are going to be like, "Oh, your parent blaming or whatever." I'm really not. I'm trying to you, get. You a, know who would say that, Ray? Yeah, I'll tell you who would say that. Ray from last week's show would say that. <laughs> That's who would say that. That's who would say that. If I would have said what you just said. You can't, say week, what you, I, you can't say what I say. But if I would have just said what you just said, you would have been like, I'm not going to let you do that. I'm not going to let you do that. We're not doing that today. We're not doing that tonight. We're not parent blaming tonight. It's a new, it's a new year and, and, and accountability is high. And so if we set in this bar, then we got we to do it the right way. And so my, my answer to your question, though, was uh, I think kids are never first in these conversations, man. Mm. It's like, you know, it's always an adult first type conversation, uh, whether we're talking about, you know, the educators and we got the unions caping for the educators, or if we're talking about the parents and, you know, school being childcare. Like, school is not childcare. School is a place where you go to learn and, and, and get kids excited about learning, get kids excited about reading. The trajectory for students, if they are reading by the end of kindergarten, is totally different from the trajectory of a kid that's not. And so we need to, you know, start honing in on that research early in the game in order to get our kids where we want them to be. And, you know, I want kids to be on a successful path to either trade school or college. I'm more so leaning towards uh, trade school because you ain't got no debt. And I don't want nobody to inherit the kind of debt I got uh, to, to come out and talk to people like you I know. You're going debt in trade school, too, if you don't know what you're doing. But that's yeah, true. That's a that's good true. point. Though. But, I, but I get your point, though, Ray. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. You know, one of the things that... Um, one of the things that I want to see happen is, is us pierce the bubble a little bit this year, though, like, you know, we can write blog post articles. We could, you know, we can do a lot of advocacy, but it's to like what end? Like, what is the what's the end goal of it uh, going to be right now? I'm just going to be transparent. I want to see a lot more, especially after a year of COVID and parents being at home. I want to see a lot more resources in the hands of parents in terms of I want them to have more control over the money that educates their kids because we're still not going back to school. Right now, with the beginning of the year, and there's still entire school districts where the teachers are talking about not going back. And if we've learned anything over the last year, good, bad or ugly in terms of what you got at home for parents, they do need resources, whether they're perfect or not. They need more money. Um, what would be one thing that you guys want to just be transparent about and say it's it's on the table for this year? Like for me, it's the essays. It's it's more money, more resources, more control over the per pupil uh, revenue for parents. But uh, what would be something that you would put on the table? Start with you, uh, uh, Ray. Come back to you again, because you just you just biffed it with that last one with your parent shaming thing. So what, what we should do is give you another chance to redeem yourself, bro. Bro, listen, I, I, I purposely 
<clears throat> put a clip of my daughter uh, on on Twitter prior to this show on purpose, right? Because like you know, if you if you're doing it right at home, and yo, it, it's something to be said about those parents that are do, that that are doing that, right? And so like that's that's where my energy is at, and that's not that's not. So then we we need to work on a couple different things, right? We need to work on getting getting kid uh, getting parents access to certain uh, types of to the solutions that we're talking about, right? And so you know, you said before about. Well, I'm not gonna give you a trade secrets, but it's one of those things that could be a product or whatever. So I can't really get into it because it's <laughs> gonna be a product. <laughs> you mean my soul glow activator for people with no hair like me? <laughs> and me too. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, man, uh, how do I do this? Um, so just say it, bro. It's not. It's not a trade secret. Just put yeah, it out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so no, I'm, I'm not going to talk about that. I'm, I'm going to go another way. All right. So we need to set benchmarks for kids. Uh, kids need to be reading by kindergarten. Uh, as ambitious as that sounds, um, you'll ha- probably hear folks that will argue about it or whatever. But you know, reading is essential. Uh, anyone that successfully convinces you that a black child should not be in any rush to read or identify words by kindergarten, man, they just sold you a Brooklyn Bridge. We got to get these kids reading, man. And so that's my energy for the year. Uh, reading by kindergarten. By kindergarten. It's like before kindergarten. kindergarten. I want to read before kindergarten. But if we could go through the whole year and at the end of the year, uh, they're on grade level. I'm good with that, too. Let me just test something on that, though, because Head Start will tell you that they send a lot of black kids to, to school districts um, reading. And they do. And they do. And when yeah. they get there, they lose. Those are the kids that lose the most ground in the first three grades. Well, that's you, you blame that. That's 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 not the that's not Head Start's fault. That's not the parents' that's, fault. That's not the kid's fault. That's, that's, the, not that's, the, that's, that's, that's not the kid, not the parent, not right. not. So whose fault that's is that? That we Man, deliver you ready listen, kids. Bro. Listen, and then you, what? So if you if you if you bring a kid to my classroom, right at the beginning of the year, that kid is reading on a, a, let's say a Fontes and Pinnell level in, right. And then at the end of the year, that kid is reading, that kid has regressed and is reading now on a Fontes and Pinnell level J. Mm -hmm. That means that there's something that happened in that class that broke that kid's spirit. And we need to find out what happened in that class prior to that kid going on to the next grade. Because then if that happens again, then it's this regression model that happens over time. And it's like, it doesn't matter how many interventions you you put in place. If a kid's spirit is dim, he ain't going to learn. She ain't gonna learn, right? Mm-hmm. So like we need to keep constant monitoring of our kids and their progress, right? And the one way to do that, that people aren't gonna like, standardized tests. Standardized tests keep us honest, man. And, and at the end of the day, that that's that's where I'm at with it, man. That's my energy. Now, dude, I do think that you can over test, and I don't want to do that, but I want one norm-based test per year so I can see what my kid is doing in comparison to. Kids in California, kids in uh, kids in Texas, kids in Florida, kids everywhere. I want one norm-based test that that shows me what's happening. I want a black organization to develop a standardized test that parents can administer themselves at home and get scored themselves, kind of like a home kit, so that we don't have to depend on the politics of testing in regular school districts. Uh, Sharif, what would be your one non-negotiable this year, man? What's something that you would put on the table that you like, it's got to happen this year? 
Yeah, man, it's so hard because there's so many things. Um, you know, I definitely agree with the the reading. I think we have far too much rhetoric, not enough focus on reading. And so, like, that's one, right? Like, you know, uh, I, I disagree a little bit with uh, my esteemed colleague about, you know, I, what I've, I'd be nervous about, you know, uh, draconian measures to make sure kids are reading by kindergarten because there are a whole lot of factors that play into that. By, were your kids reading by kindergarten? No, but they were what they were was they were in a literate literacy rich environment. They had a healthy relationship with with work, but no, she was. I wouldn't say she was reading. I don't think any black kids were reading. Yeah, and they, I would just say they weren't reading. None of mine read kindergarten. by kindergarten, Mm-mm. but they were in an environment that you know pushed and challenged, and and they would have fun with words. Right? It was more or less like, oh, this is fun. I can say my sounds. I I told you, you know, I shared with y'all how I used to sing the alphabet as a kid. Like it was more or less around phonics and sounds and that kind of thing. Um, not necessarily reading a book. Now, you know, like this first grader, she's reading She's reading above her grade level, right? But there were things beforehand that I wouldn't just want people to say, all right, and I'll read, because, you know, we also know what might happen with that. <laughs> you know, both in school as well as in some homes. And so I just, I would just be, you know, I would just be careful about that and just making sure that it's developmentally appropriate and rigorous, right? Like, but that there's... Sounds like the bar has been lowered. No, not at all. I, I don't come from that kind of lower bar, right? Like, you know, you're talking to somebody who could have graduated high school at 15. But right? did you? But did I, gra- you? I graduated sixteen. My bad. Okay, so then don't, don't, don't talk about no, graduating at fifteen if you no. graduated fifteen. Hold up, youngin. My mother said no. She wouldn't allow that, right? So she said, "No, I don't want you graduating that early. I'm going to hold you back a year. I'll let you skip one grade, not two grades, right?" And so it just, you know, like she was also an educator, so she was coming at it from a very specific, nuanced way. I use your favorite word. Well, as far as you know, quest- the question. I'd be aggressive. I'm matching energy this year. 2021. Oh, well, bro. I got my tea and everything. So I'm hardly aggressive. But anyway. Oh, the least black to, thing said to tonight. I got my tea. I got my tea. <laughs> uh, go ahead, bro. <laughs> but I, I think, um, you know, really putting a, a premium on the quality of educator in front of our children, mm. you know, and however it looks, if it's in a pod, if it's in, you know, the library, if it's in the school, if it's, if it's zoom rooms, whatever it is, the quality of that educator. And I just talk about the teacher, the teacher, absolutely. But the teacher's coach as well, the teacher's supervisor as well, that principal of the district, their supervisor, like we, we often don't talk about who's the principal supervisor, who's holding them accountable for them getting better, for giving them the feedback, for looking at the data, all of that. And so my, my thing would be like the, the putting a premium on top notch educators uh, for our children. Right. To mitigate all the circumstances, but also to have the and when I say top, not just, oh, I have this pedagogy, but also I'm top flight in, in building relationships with families, with, with creating partnerships, with sharing the data, with being transparent. All of that can come out of out of if we are more selective uh, more supportive uh, and have more accountability for the adults that get paid to be these children. I got, Go a follow-up. I got a follow-up question. So we talk a lot about bringing um, people of color into the teaching profession. Mm-hmm. Right now there's a shortage, right? There's, yeah. a shortage, there's a shortage of all races in teachers, right? People are leaving the field. So like, what's the new approach from 2021 and beyond that we're tapping into our resources and getting black folks, capable black folks, not just any 
black person that's going to work in a classroom, but capable people that are going to come in there and like move mountains because we need mountains move, bro. So like, what, what's, what's your advice to, to folks that are uh, on a trajectory to become educators? I mean, I think the first part is just that mindset. Like, do they, how do they look at education? How do they look at our children? How do they look at, at the community? And if they, if they look at educating, teaching as like a form of activism, you know, for me, it's the purest form of activism is teaching, you know, you know, another, a child, another human being and helping them get to the next level. I think one, we just got to start earlier. You know, I, you know, I tell the story when I started a fellowship, 17 black men, you know, all, you know, with, multiple degrees, some of them with their PhDs, all of that. And not a single one of us had been approached to be consider becoming an educator when we were younger. Not a single one of us. It was after we graduated college that people said, hey, you want to come teach? Hey, you should consider teaching. And when we spoke to our colleagues, most of them white women, the average response was third grade. So they're having conversations early, people tapping them on the shoulder like, hey, we trust you to be in front of kids. We need to have that same thing. We have talent, top talent, the way that... Uh, you know, you describe, Greg, we need to at least encourage, we're going to, we're going to support them in whatever they do. Right. But we should at least introduce that and say like, you know, Hey, have you ever considered leading? I saw you, you're a leader. Have you considered leading a classroom in a school? I feel like we're going to have to, to make that happen. We're going to have to grease the skids. We're going to have to have state laws that make it easier for people to switch careers. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause you got a lot of people that are not going to go back to, to college to get some Rudy Poop. <laughs> Do people even say Rudy Poot anymore? Rudy Poot. <laughs> Some Rudy Charles, you know what a Rudy Poot is, right? You know, like people are not going to like, uh, first of all, there are going to be a lot of career switchers. That's going to happen now. That's about to happen now. We've disrupted a lot of workplaces. So to answer part of your question, I think, Ray, is to say that there might be more people available, but they're not going to go back to school forever. Like I know in our state, we made it hard a few years ago for people to switch careers, even for people to move to Minnesota here with their teacher's license already and teach. We were unnecessarily putting barriers in their path because we didn't want to lower the quality of our teachers, which ain't really possible. Uh, Dr. Cole Charles, um, bro, are you hearing anything that is a non-negotiable for this year? Like, I, I feel like I've heard a lot of this before, but I'm looking for what the breakthrough is going to be this well, year. I, I think for me, um, I, I would consider bringing something in from the social work field, one of our frameworks. And uh, Chris and Reef, I don't know if y'all use this framework, but we use help charts. And help chart stands for Hawaii Early Learning Profile, but it's a it's a mechanism from three to zero, but it tells parents everything that should be happening by the month of their child's development. So this is the month like your child should be able to raise their head up, or this is the weight that they should probably be. This is that profile, and it's not that way. It just kind of gives parents power to con- so they're not worrying about where their kid is and when they go to a doctor or they or, or whatever they know exactly what to ask. So we need those tools in education. So you need somewhat of a help chart from zero, from K through 12, or maybe even, you know, K through, you know, 20 or whatever, or 14. But but I think that's something that could be really, really helpful just because this year should definitely be the year that folks truly adopt uh, education for our kids by any means necessary motto. And I think that we say that a lot, but as soon as black parents start to exercise that, it's a lot of people, but it's like, but wait, y'all, but you got a Malcolm X shirt on, you know what I'm saying? So they doing what they got to do for their child. I think the other thing that Ray said, and I, I don't want to lose it around the testing thing, 
I think people just get turned off when you say test, right? But it, you you assess your child every single day. There were millions of families watched um, Soul with their kids over the weekend. And afterwards, they had a talk with their kids. They asked them what they saw. They asked them what they heard. They asked them what that made them feel, right? Like, that's how you build critical thinking skills. That is a form of testing and assessment to see where your child is so then you can push in in that type of way. So what, what I think is a non-negotiable for me to uh, family is this, that um, we need somewhat of a checks and balances for everybody that's involved in the education process. So what is the educator supposed to be doing for this grade level? What is a child supposed to be doing in this grade level? And what is a parent supposed to be doing? And then at that point, if a child is behind, now we can compare notes. Now we can see what were you doing and what were you doing and what am I not doing? And at least we are not having a situation where it's like my whole body hurts. A, 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 doctor can't, a doctor can't treat a patient that's just like my whole body hurts, right? You have to be able to go into a hospital and say, look, my arm is hurting. It's been hurting for three weeks. I took this. This is what I've had. This is what I'm allergic to. So we just need to, I think this is the year that we build out better educational profiles that can serve students, educators, and families in a much better way that doesn't lead to this finger pointing, but like we actually are all on the team and mom is the quarterback or dad is the quarterback. That home has to be, you know, the quarterback of it. But I, I think those type of tools that's broken down by grade uh, would be quite helpful. I love that one. I feel like, like in some ways, um, I, I want to keep going back to parents needing the resources, though, because part of what you were just saying, Charles, as you were talking, I was thinking to myself, school's not inevitable. <laughs> the home is so. So for so no matter what, the child is going to be at home with a parent that parent's going to need to be tooled up. You just gave up one tool that I think is important. Maybe that kid goes to a school. Maybe that kid goes to a pod. Maybe that kid goes to something else. But. Um, no matter what dad and mom, mom and dad need the tools and resources at home to be able to do what they can for their kids. Um, I said clear and then informed. The second thing was informed. What are y'all going to do when you bump into leaders and you, you are in meetings with people and they want to say that the sum total of the K-12 education problem for our kids is we got to fully fund our kids or we got to pay teachers more or any of the slogans that we hear. I can name like 80 slogans, uh, you know, send us better kids is is like one kind of slogan that people, they, they say it without saying it, right? Like we got to get these, <laughs> some of them said, and we got to get these parents out of poverty. We just need to fully fund our schools. We need to pay teachers more, blah, blah, blah. And, and you're an elected official or you're leading a major organization. And that's as far as your K-12 discussion goes. How are you all going to push on them, I think in some ways to be a little angry with them to be more informed than that. All right, I'll, I'll hop in first. <clears throat> I think that uh, we waste too much time on this us versus them narrative. Uh, 92% of people have somehow turned 6 to 8% of people into the education boogeyman. And so, you know, if you're working in a sector that's not uh, the pu uh, public school sector, then all of a sudden you're an enemy. Uh, it's actually pretty crazy when you think about it. I have no interest in comparing myself to anybody outside of someone that's doing excellent, right? So I'm no longer comparing myself to the sending district. If they're not 100% proficient in terms of like what their schools are doing, I don't want to compare myself to them. I want to compare myself mm -hmm. to the successes. I want to compare myself to the to the icons. I want to compare myself to those folks, the, 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 the excellent community charter schools or, or whatever. Like 
I want to compare myself to those brands that are knocking it out of the park. But then I got a message for those people that are knocking it out of the park. If you see these district schools are failing, then you should be reaching out to them to collaborate with them. Because if we're talking about it being one band, one sound, and we're all working for kids, if you want everybody to be successful, then you reach out to those schools that are failing as well. I think there's too many vultures in education, bro. They swoop down when they see you're, 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 you're not performing the way that you need to perform. And then the next thing you know, it's like, all right, I could take the school over. As opposed to it being, let me work with the school leader. Let me work with these other teachers that are not a part of my CMO in order to get them better. Because if I get them better, then that's getting them better. That's getting kids better. Right. And so that's that's my outlook. You feel like there's like schools that are holding back on information? Absolutely, bro. Schools is a competition. And so, you know, you got you got some folks that are just like, you know what? I got all the secrets over here. And like, I'm not going to give you this family recipe because I'm not about that life. I want to like Success Academy, like puts their curriculum online for everybody to have. Yeah, but just like you could you, go you could go and you could set up your own Success Academy at home if you wanted to. They put yeah, it all online. No, it, it bro, there's so many other there's so many other intangibles that go into running a school besides the curriculum. Like there you while they're putting the curriculum online, they also have somebody that's in the back of the room with headphones on coaching the teacher and like doing all these other things or whatever. So just mm-hmm. because you have a curriculum in place, you know that that I guess that would that would make sense if if all teacher education programs were created equal, then yeah, that would make sense. You could just put the curriculum online. But since they're not, and there's some shit teacher education programs, you got to coach up people more uh, from from some respects than you do others. It's a sad place to be, but that's where we are. Yeah, I just don't know if everywhere is receptive. Like, I I think, as you said uh, earlier, like the adults get in the way. Um, And I'll tell you, like, I was part of, you know, fortunate to be a part of two turnaround school efforts, uh, community schools, schools that had horrendous, you know, uh, reputations for generations and were able to, you know, be a part of teams that turned those around. You know, Dr. Height was the first superintendent that came to visit. You know, like he was the first one. And and I know the network, like they would have PDs that were open to other folks. But, but you know, sometimes it's just like all this other stuff going on. And then also, like, so remember, most of these charters, even if they're doing well, they may be standalones. Right. And so for them, capacity and resources is still a, it could be a challenge for them to say, hey, we're you know, we're now going to, you know, do X, Y, Z for, you know, the 10 schools up the street. You know, I, I do think it's important, but I think it, it would be a hard ask for a lot of standalones um, and that there has to be ways that we can collaborate and, and come together around specific standards. Huh? What standalone did you work in? Say again. What standalone did you work in? No, I didn't work in a standalone. I said there are standalones who are that are out there that it may be challenged. I know standalones where you know they may be a challenge for them. I can even say that about the district though. We set up we we set up a bunch of cross partnership stuff, and sometimes the district folks just didn't show up, or they were just like not feeling it right, like mm-hmm. off top. And I mean, we tried, it, or it's like what's what that saying about how you feel about kids? It says a lot. But I'm just giving you the reality of it. Right. I agree with you. Right. I mean, that's why we tried to set it up. And I also think that schools that are some quote unquote killing it. I don't think there is any school that's actually doing well. That's like, well, I'm doing super well. So let me go out and do this. I think that they're still trying to figure out and fit, like if you got 90 percent proficiency, a good school is going to say, now, what are we doing about this 10? Right. Like instead of me going out trying to tell these people X, Y and Z, I do get the notion, though. Uh, mm-hmm. right? And I think the notion is the right spirit of it. 
but people, you know, you have to kind of want help. But I think it goes, the point that I'm hearing from Ray and from this, from this group though, is that regardless, kids have to be the priority. If kids are the priority, then all this stuff is having a different, we're having a different conversation about how we approach these things, right? But if it's your ego is the priority, if it's your school looking better, or if it's you getting, you know, the headlines, then that's a different type of problem, you know? And, and I guess that's the question for tonight, though, is, is really how do we make kids the priority? Because well, everything I, I just heard actually happened last year and can happen again this year. Schools right. aren't going to share with each other. Well, let me just like say something negative and then, and then Charles, you can help me out here by correcting and, and restating, <laughs> it, restating it for me, okay? Um, Ladies and gentlemen, the schools are not going to get better this year. There's not going to be a large influx of people of color coming into teaching this year. Schools aren't going to become uber collaborative this year. Schools aren't going to start sharing and the best ones aren't going to start teaching the worst ones how to do any better this year. It's not happening. So parents... You can listen to the systems and the system leaders and makers and do whatever you want. But I am just trying to give you a post Christmas message. This is a message from the day after Christmas. There is no Santa coming, no educational Santa coming. And all this stuff that we plan that we we know should happen. We know this should happen. We know that we're long past the time that districts should have been looking to better performing schools to find out what they're doing, to change their labor agreements, to change their their scopes, their sequences, how they use money, how they staff, how they do a calendar, everything. We know that 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 should have happened already. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen this year. So, I mean, I hate to be the, the, the bearer of bad news, but something if kids really are the priority, something different has to happen for them this year. And one of the things I am happy about is I do see people stepping up to help parents out. I do see things like look at my hat right now. Reconstruction.us. Right. Uh-huh. Um, I do see uh, uh, programs like yours, Sharif, like the, you know, the, the center and 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 folks starting to do what. I don't know if it was Ray R. Charles who said this, but for us, by us, by any means necessary and 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 by any means necessary to me means that it can't all be on waiting for schools to do better and teachers to do better. That's my negative message for this year. If kids really are the priority, all this that we talk about is not coming. It's not going to happen this year. Um, I, I think that was that was fine. I, I, I fully agree with that. And Reef, I, it's fine. I don't know if you know, though, I think it's your. Uh, your computer's picking up your audio, audio versus your microphone, but it's not a big deal. I just didn't know if you knew. But um, I, I think that was fine, Chris. I think, listen, man, like you said, nobody coming to save us. And I think if we really going to have this conversation about by any means necessary, that what that's going to require a lot of people is to get out the way, right? And stop explaining away or think peace. Don't think peace me to death while my kid is mm-hmm. dying in school. Mm-hmm. Like I, that don't do nothing for me. And I like I told you, I'm, I'm over I'm over think pieces right now. It's just when they when they did think pieces on soul, it just hurt my heart. But uh, just to, 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 to stay there, though, man, our checks and balances is off. We don't have checks and balances in a proper way where it's like, look, as a child, this is your this is what you're supposed to do. Like when I went to school, I knew what I was what was asked of me. I, I don't mean I always did it, but it was very clear for a parent of a third grader. This is what should be happening. This is what you should be doing from your perspective. If you have any issues with it, this is where you go from an educator and from a school. Right. And I think that what we're just that whole system is out of whack right now. You know what I mean? Look, thank God for checks and balances. Right. Because we got a crazy man in the White House that just called 
the secretary uh, that, that just called up Georgia and was like, I need y'all to basically change. <laughs> <laughs> this is why you have checks and balances, though, right? Because there's another body that's like, that's not happening. Uh, we're not doing any of that stuff. And that stuff is illegal. But right now, right, we are allowing some people when you don't know what schools are supposed to look like, you put all your trust in the system. Like it's almost the same equivalent, man, where it's like you can't trust people to, to just judge themselves. There needs to be checks and balances along the way. And that's how we build and make each other stronger. So it's not about me being against schools. I'm not against schools, against teachers, against parents or against kids. It's like, no, no, it's nothing wrong with saying we all have a role to play. Mm-hmm. That, I, I, and I think mm-hmm. and if you and if you try to act like it's something wrong with us saying that and the way that the, these the way that all of us have said today, then you just ain't about this education life. And or you should just get your kid as far away from them people as possible. Bro, it's funny. It's funny that you should mention that, man, because like I remember being in the classroom, bro, and I remember being like super competitive in terms of like wanting my kids to compete, wanting wanting to uh, see their test scores and wanting them to see their mm-hmm. test scores, wanting to explain to them what their test scores meant and how they compared to their peers across the country or whatever. And then I judged myself based off of how my students were performing. Mm-hmm. And so when people make this argument of you know, standardized testing is bad and, and whatever. It's No, it's not bad. You just don't want to be accountable for kids learning, right? And I refuse to be in any position, whether it's a systems leader, whether it's the custodian in the damn building. We're going to test kids because we need to know where they're at. Because if you got 80% of a certain population that I'm, I'm very mistrusting of the educational system, right? And so I think standardized tests being done yearly, not over testing, but yearly, can keep people honest and can at least have us be able to have an informed conversation about what our kids need. Plus, I think it's remiss to not talk about the data that comes from standardized testing. Right? But a lot of people don't want the data Bro, because they're not because they're not like you. They're not competitive. They know they know that they're trash. They know that they're trash in a classroom. And they and what they will hide behind is the professionalism of not needing tests to tell you that my kids are behind. I could have already told you that. I've heard that a million times from teachers. Like all tests tell me is something I already know, which is that all my, all my kids are failing. Right. What? So I'm keeping you, keep the screen on so, him, uh, producer, super producer, keep the screen oh, on there. There we go. <laughs> Bro, as a parent, when yeah. you get the results of your kids, uh, standardized tests, what's the first thing you and your wife do? Well, this is this is one thing I will say that I love about my state is they yeah. made it super easy to understand what the meaning of those the, what they say. Okay. So when you get it, it used to be very confusing. So we didn't know what it meant. Now we get it. It's like a gas gauge yep. <laughs> and yep. it tells you whether or not you're running on empty or not. It takes you three seconds to look down at the thing and see where and we have multiple. So you can tell like where you are instantly. So when I hear people in the profession saying they want to stop me from having that, yes. when I hear people say that all it tells us is something that they already knew. And I know for a fact that's not what it's telling me. It's not telling me what I already knew. It's telling us where we fell behind and, 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 and went ahead and all these different things. But it gets back to my bottom line. We have teachers that don't want to teach. We have school leaders that don't want to reopen schools. We have teachers on a beach 
talking about like we shouldn't reopen schools because it's not safe as they taking pictures all up on the beach with pina coladas and stuff like like they were on the safe beach they were safe beach but here's my problem with all of that is every message if you are an astute person watching the the system and its professionals you have picked up on the fact that they have all deprioritized our kids they don't want to go back to school they don't want to open schools again they don't want to teach until they want to teach but they don't want somebody else to teach your kids while they're not teaching your kids. They don't want somebody else to take the job that they don't want to do while they're not doing the job on a beach somewhere else. So when I talk about how do we reprioritize our kids, well, that, was, that was union leadership on the beach. And that's what that's what public education is. It's union leadership by remote control. They have the entire it's a profession of people who have collected together and bundled their money to run an institution that has our eight million black kids captive in it. And we have to say, yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Uh, No, don't teach us this week. Yes. Teach us this week. Open the school. Don't open the school. Tell me, boss, what we going to do with our kids? Our kids ain't reading. Help us, boss. Bruh. It's funny you should mention that. And it's funny that you should use that language in while you're like while while you're categorizing what you're saying. Because Uh-oh. what I don't understand is is that you got a, a low percentage of folks that identify with the same things that we identify with, but they will cape for that teachers union to the end of time, knowing mm-hmm. that it's some destruction that's happening when, when it comes down to black bodies in terms of like, you know, if, if we don't, if we're not getting you ready, if we're not getting you ready for college, then we're getting you ready for prison is what is, is my thinking when it comes down to some of the things that I see in these schools. I saw a black teacher caping for the Chicago Teachers Union. She's not even a teacher. She's a, a spoken word artist online saying parents need to just keep their kids. They need to support the teachers decision to stay home and take care of their kids and teach their kids until the teachers say it's safe again to come back again. And I had to ask myself, whose side are you on? Chris, Chris, let me ask you this. I'm asking this for, 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 for all of us, man, because this got me hyped right now. So you te- you, if, you t- if you're telling a Chicago parent whose kid is in the fifth grade reading on a second grade uh, reading level, right, that you should just wait to, to send your kid back to school when this kid has very little hope of of of, of being of, of experiencing success unless he's back in school, learning the way he learns or she learns or whatever, what do we say to those parents? Well, I disagree that sending them back to the schools is going to increase their chances of winning in life. <laughs> I just want to be honest about that part. But I don't know, Charles. You in Chicago? <laughs> would you Would you go do with your people there, man? I think. I mean, I I think it's a few different things, man. I think one is again we we have you want all four of us are close to education right we we are close to it so we we can see through things in a different way but if you are an education pedestrian who doesn't want to trust teachers man you know what i mean i who, don't who, no 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 i know this is what i'm saying <laughs> this is what i'm saying is is that because you are not an education civilian you are in this industry, right? Like this is an industry whether we want to agree to that or not it's an industry but right. who, who don't want to trust? Who don't want to trust teachers? It's like nurses, right? You want to trust when your nurse tell you something. You want to trust when your teachers tell you something. And the narrative for so long is about how these people have been beaten up and underpaid and this, that, and the third, right? And the reason that that happens is because if I coddle you and I and I say these things and I treat you like less of a professional, I really don't have to pay you more because I let you get away with saying shit that no, like we again we allow people to say this is the toughest profession in the world, right? It's like well, there are people that run into like 
fires too. You know what I mean? Like there are people that like do brain surgery. That's not, and that's not disparaging any type of profession, but there are also educators that want to be treated like professionals and they want to know what they're doing well. What I would say to these people in Chicago or wherever else is, you also have to like help people set a bar and a standard. We talked about this earlier and Sharif mentioned this and I'm going to come back to it. Set a, set a bar that's a very high bar. But again, I'll give you an example similar to what Ray did. At Emory High School, which I love to this day, I will, I will give them money, I'll give them time. I left that school my senior year with a 3.8 something GPA. Mm-hmm. And I went to a different high school and they put me back in, they put me in another AP English class. I didn't know what a thesis was in my senior year as, and I was in this AP class. Like I'm actually doing what I need to do. I'm showing up. My parents is on my head. I got to get certain scores because I want to play ball and do whatever. But then I'm not getting, my education wasn't worth the paper that they wrote the thing on. But what, how, what was my parents supposed to do? They didn't know. They didn't know that that was like, you see what I'm saying? Like we, the bar is so low in urban schools sometimes that they just looking at, well, our kids going to school. And you know why? This is for the people. Up. Yep. This is for the people that's listening. That a lot of people don't know, and I tell this to parents all the time. The reason that people check and see if your kids are going to school, it ain't because they just care. It ain't because they just don't want people out in the street. It is how we make money. All right. This is why we have truancy police. Okay. We have people whose job is to go out and sweep kids and make sure that they get into a school building. Now, when you hear that for the first time, because I tell this to parents and they're like, wait, that's why we got truancy police? Yeah, because you costing the school money. You can go to jail for that. Right. So I'm just saying we have to get to a place when we talk about black black belt advocacy and education. This is where it starts. We have to equip our people with the knowledge so they don't fall for the okie doke. They don't get this wool put over their eyes and they can ask for higher quality and better standards. Hey, but they got right, so, 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 so wait a second now. Receive it too, though, Charles. Uh, oh, a, a black belt. A black belt knows where to hit somebody. Absolutely. So where you? So where are you going to hit? So where you hit? I'll well, put this out to all three of y'all. And and Sharif, you got some martial arts in you too. So, so he so, says. So he says. <laughs> uh, so he we says. got pictures. I think I saw pictures. But but if you okay, so if we talk about leveling up, you got, you got a picture now, of two hundred plus pound reef defying gravity. <laughs> Let's say we leveling up our advocacy and we doing the black belt thing. Black belts know where to hit a thing. They know where to hit a system to make an impact, to make a difference. Mm-hmm. So where are we telling our friends and allies and families who do advocacy this year that the best strike is? Hey, the best the best strike is to is to hit them in their pockets, bro. That's the best strike for me. The best strike to uh, to bring down a system is to hit them in their pockets, and that's by exercising school choice. Uh, and school choice doesn't just mean charter schools. School choice could mean uh, homeschooling. Uh, there's a, a big demand for homeschool homeschooling right now. Homeschool materials or whatever. I, I think once we look at the data for last year, last year will probably be the, the the largest influx of homeschooling in the history of homeschooling. Uh, I'm willing to put a wager on that. You know, uh, people are are seeing some of the things that are happening in K-12 and they're like, man, you know what? I'm not sending my kid back to that. Right. And I commend them for that. I commend them for, uh, for being so able that's, to. That's a hell of a strike right there. So yeah. in, in 2021, there is already a percentage of people that aren't sending their kids back. Right. So that that's one strike. Cause that, that, that's costly to what Charles just said that that's real dollars and cents. Uh, all right. So what would be another strike? Well, Where else I- would you strike? I, I, I'll, I'll leave it to, for you and uh, Reef to go last because I think y'all answers is going to be better than mine and, and Ray led in with a really good one. So I appreciate that. I would say the first part of this, whether it's 
you're a black belt in karate or you know how to box. There's different methods, right? But each of these things requires a level of analysis that you can do. So the first thing is how I how I hit you depends on what the situation is that's happening, right? So again, in my situation, I wasn't necessarily being mistreated or talked down to, or my 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 conscience was just getting all toe up, right? I was getting a really crappy education when I was supposed to be in the academy, and my parents had no idea. That's there's an analysis there. The, the first part of agency for anybody is knowing what you need, so then you know how to move. You know what I mean? Because listen, if your child just getting beat up every day, right? I don't know if we're talking about curriculum at that moment. I don't know if we're talking about, you know, certain things. We're talking about the safety of my child at that moment versus a kid that might have a different issue. So the first thing that parents have to do is to be able to truly assess the type of educational experience that your kid is having at that school. So then we got enough data where we can kind of move to the next level. So I'm not trying to skirt your answer, Chris. What I'm trying to highlight is different families and different kids got different issues and all y'all got multiple kids. So, you know, you can do a set of things with one kid and then the other one, it just ain't, you know, it ain't the same type of need. So that's the first thing that anybody, everybody listening is, do you know what's going on at your kid's school? Do you know what their experience is? And do you have anything to compare it against? So you can have the language when you go into that joint. Yeah. I, and, those, and those should be conversations that you should be having with your child. Mm-hmm. Right. Like those should be like that. That's dinner time conversation. Instead of asking them anything else about a PS5, about any other other kind of stuff, about air joints or whatever. How was your day at school? What did you learn today? How did you feel learning that today? How did your how did your teachers make you feel about being in the environment of learning that you're in? Right. Those are all open ended questions to where you can get a whole lot of data uh, from the lived experiences of your kids. If you just ask them. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the, the scary part of all this is when we talk about, you know, low bar, low expectations and all of that. And kids are still only graduating 65 percent, you know, uh, of the kids. Right. That's what the low bar. Right. Like and so what that you know, what does that mean? Um, in actuality, like how, like, I, I think the bar is actually lower than what we, what we think it is in so many different ways. And, and it manifests itself in that child for, you know, the rest of their lives. Right. Like, and ultimately, you know, being free to have choices and having options is where you see it play out. This is where you see low expectations and lack of education play out. And that's, that's for a lifetime, you know, right. Like that's, that is like a consistent threat to our communities is to have people with no options, no choices, you know, and then at the end of the day, when a, when a human being has a lack of hope, that's when they become dangerous, right? Not only for themselves, but for the community, people in proximity. And because of redlining, we're all in proximity of that same type Absolutely. of situation, Absolutely. right? And so I, I would say, you know, the thing about black belts, is not just about how hard you hit or where you hit. It's also about like strategy. You know, um, my martial arts teacher used to say, this is why I'm so good at ignoring Ray. Because he used to say like, there's a higher plane. Who's your sensei? Who's your sensei? Bob, Bob, I want to talk to him. Send me his, send me his info. He, he passed away. Kind of he, passed, oh. he passed away. But Baba Uduchanga, um, and and you can you can ask around, bro. You, you listen, you're not that far from Philly. You can just come around and ride around these right, streets. I'm today, coming. All right, I'm coming. It's, it's not a problem. But he what with the camera? We say the best black belts. It's not about you know, uh, winning the fight. 
It's also understanding which ones are the fights and what to do and what are other strategies. If all your strategy is just a ground punching folks, like that's one thing. But I, I think one part that has to be part of all of it, because I agree, there's going to be more people who don't send their kids back to school. But I still think there's going to be a tiny percentage of the folks who need an education. Right. There's going to be a homeschool is going to rise. Right. Like, and yes, they may go to a charter. They may be able to afford a private. They may be all of those things. And that's still not going to be the majority. It's not even going to be half. Right. And so there's still going to be a whole lot of folks that need. Right. We see it now with folks who are have to be at work, have a second grader, you know, nervous about sending their kid anywhere and then having grandma watch them. Right. Because of, of their, you know, their health conditions and what may happen. All of that is still part of this. So I, I think one of the things is just this. We can't we got to stop looking at schools as the as the only thing in the parents like this this parent school dynamic like listen if the imams and the, the clergy all the faith-based institutions if this isn't part of your sermon and your chutzpah every single week then you're missing the mark you're missing the mark that boy brought chutzpah into it hey chris mm-hmm. uh, after you mm-hmm. answer can i can i chime in i know i didn't want to cut off your, your ability to answer the question no go ahead man you jump in i, I just i mean you know part of this too man is like School ain't also also the only answer. Like I, I, I've I've taught about this before, and I still talk about it. And I know that I've brought up on the podcast before, but school. I look. At, I don't look at school as the end all, be all, the biggest thing. I look at it as a set of things. I look at my community relationships, the elders in my community. I look at my religious institution, and I look at community based organizations and coaches, and I look at school. So in my situation where the school was lacking my boys club was actually able to pick up some slack and my coaches picked up some slack, right? Like they taught me how to think on my feet. Mm-hmm. I learned how to speak at my church. I learned how to, I was, I was in the youth stuff. Right. So like, that's where I gave my first talks or whatever. Right. Like there were other places that helped me cultivate certain skills. But again, I set a certain bar for myself unknowingly, right. Where it's like, look, this is what I want to do and what I want to experience. So I think that, you know, race touched on something. I don't want it to be lost in the, in the general conversation. You have to have conversations with your child. And if it ain't your child, your nephew, your brother or whoever you care about. And the reason is there's so much rich information about how they intake a conversation, you know, who's the best person to talk to. So here's something that we did in schools to help our parents. Right. So we had a mom and we had her draw out everybody that her kid loved. Right. And in it, it was his basketball coach. He had a pastor. He had an uncle. He had these people. And it was just some stuff that wasn't registering that she would say to him. Right. And they had a teacher at school. The teacher, the teacher was so dope because it wasn't even the kid's teacher. But every time he saw her son in the office, he would call the mom and like, yo, in the office, I'm going to find out what's going on. And she would he would tell he would tell the parent. The parent then started using that coach to deliver the same messages because the kid listened to the coach better. I mean, this ain't this ain't neat, neat, nice stuff. This is by any means necessary to get your kid what they need. And so there might be situations where Chris might be trying to say something to his boy and maybe me and his son just have a different report, right? Like it's okay to ask for help. Parents, it is okay to ask for help. It is okay to not know things. It is okay to also trust your gut. You know what I mean? Because I'm so sick of, and I want I want this to die. I've said this to all of y'all and we just talked about this in my book club. I'm so sick of people telling, saying the system doing what it's, what it's supposed to do. We know that. We know that. Like people just say that and then they stop talking. Right. Be more specific. What you mean? What is this system right now doing to this child? And why are you still a part of this system if that's the case? You know what I mean? 
how are you being a double agent to make sure that you're helping people? And if you're not, if we ain't talking about you being a double agent to help my kid, to help my community, then we really don't have much else to talk about. You know that, what I'm saying? Hey, and that, that's the, Charles, that's the, tr- that's the true energy for, for, uh, for t- 2021. If we ain't talking about kids, what are we talking about? Like, we, we wasting each other's time. If we're not talking about how to get the system better for kids, if we're not talking about how to get the system, uh, building uh, HC for parents or whatever, we're not t- talking about how to get people better that are in the classrooms every day uh, with these students or whatever, then we're not really talking about nothing. Like, I'm not going back and forth with you on Twitter. I'm not going back and forth with you on no on nothing. No social media venue. No conversations to be had with you. This is about kids. 2021 is about kids. That's it. I will say this much. Like, I, I, I get a little nervous listening to the professionals because I feel like what education has done over a long period of time is professionalize parents out of the equation and professionalize parents into the fetal position. And and the message that you get is you don't know enough. You can't do enough. Uh, You can't live without us. It's like the Ike and Tina situation. Like you will never be nothing without me. You know, that whole thing. Right. And um, and I'm sick of it and I'm tired of it because bottom line, you know, working in social services for years, I can tell you I learned more from people within social services about the damn programs we were delivering than any of the training I got that prepared me for that job and prepared me for that role. Absolutely. So, so you had people like thinking that these people were dumb and that they were ignorant and they were actually put me on to more game about the system than anybody else was. So I don't look at parents the same way that everybody else does when they say things like parents don't know what to do and they can't do the teacher's job and they can't do this and they can't do that, whatever. To hell with that, because if they can't, we're in real trouble because right now they have to, for one. And, and they've been we spent many years telling parents what they can't do and what's not in them to do. We've actually like infantilized parents to a point to where now that they're needed to step up, um, they need voices that help them see the way. We, they need voices that here's a resource. Here's some support. I will walk with you. The the school isn't the only game in town. The school right. might be lying to you. And you know what a lot of them are going to say to you is, I know that. What, what makes you think I don't know? What makes you think I don't understand the game? Right. Like that's what you're going to hear from a lot of parents that you try to organize. So this is what I feel right now. My bottom line on all of this is things aren't going back to normal quick. We have no solutions coming down the pipe really fast. The best that that I think that parents can be is a problem. You need to be everybody's problem. You need to learn how to be a problem and be okay with it. You need to stop playing nice. And, And if I had to be crisp about what the problem is right now, the problem in the system is that we're pulling our teachers from the wrong place. We're not preparing them to teach the kids that they're going to teach. We're dropping them into the classrooms where they're the least prepared, where the kids need the most. We're doing that on a routine basis as a system. And those kids are losing two and three and four years because we're doing that over and over and over again. And then we're embalming those people with union rights and keeping them in those classrooms for many years longer than that they should have been in those classrooms. And then we're blaming parents and the kids when the kids aren't reading by third grade or doing algebra by eighth grade or graduating ninth grade ready for for high school and graduating high school ready for college or career. Um, We're not saying it's because school districts don't understand how to do middle school and actually haven't known known how to do middle school for 50 years. 
No one's saying that except for the science is telling us that the science is telling us we got the wrong people teaching our kids in the wrong systems, that they're structured the wrong way, that they don't know how to do middle school and high school unless you're uh, um, the typical student that they built the system for, which is a white girl. (laughs) Let's be real about these things that we're not calling out. That is the problem if I had to make it crisp. So now what do you do now? What do you do? That's the system that has your child. So what Charles and I talked about privately a little bit when we were going back and forth about this is I'm a little bit unnerved because there is a way to talk about a parent being number one, being the the power without shaming that parent, without it being about you're not doing enough. But I am here to say that you are the the guardian. You are the, the person that God gave to your child to fight like hell, to be a problem. Be a problem. I used to like work with people and they would bring me with them to a school and they would be trying to do their manners so well and whatnot. And the real answer in the situation was to be a problem. That was the real answer. And they didn't want to be a problem because they didn't want to be a problem. (laughs) Right. Be a problem. Be a problem that they can't get rid of, as a matter of fact, Um, and and infiltrate and double cross. If you are a black educator listening to me right now, go into these systems, infiltrate and double cross. If you are a school leader who is going to lead a school or lead a district, infiltrate and double cross. Do what you know that that's the right thing to do. If you are a parent and you have to be in the system and you have no other alternative, be a problem every day. Do what Ray said. Ask your kid, how was your day? What did you learn? Ask the teacher, what grade level is my kid on? What are you going to do about it when we're behind? Right. But be a constant problem. And then once you get good at being a problem, teach everybody around you how to be a problem, too. Right. Don't 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 keep the problem problematic nature of yourself a secret. Help other people be a problem, too. And then I hope lastly, I know I'm going on, but lastly, what I'll say is for the journalists and the politicians and the people who have uh, power to change policy, I would say we need to be a problem to them, too. They got to stop saying to us, we just need to fully fund schools and treat teachers better and hire, you know, hire teachers that that, you know, the, the profession that we want and blah, 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 that type of nonsense. No, no, no. We got to do better than that. We, we, we got to say either you're going to tell me more about what's wrong with the K-12 system or I'm going to need to vote you out. I'm going to hey, need wh- you to keep keep moving. I feel like you just came for Jamal Bowen. Uh, you know, I, I've had it in mind that that the brother ran a, a school that had horrible outcomes and now he's in Congress. Right. Right. And this is this is like that's like a disciplinary promotion. Right. You did terrible at what you did before. So we're going to promote you to have more power over the lives of kids. I'm tired. I'm sick of it. And anyways, I know we got to wrap soon. I will say what, what, what really started this conversation, I'll be interested if any of you brothers besides Charles has a, a take on it, because Charles actually really started the madness, which is, which is over Christmas, I watched this awesome movie with my family called, what was it called, Charles? It was called Soul. It was called Soul. Watched it with my whole family. And every Christmas, we try and do a Christmas movie. And since Annie... Uh, It's been a dry spell. Right. So this was a great year. Soul was an awesome movie. And don't you know, somebody showed up five minutes later with the think piece to make it a terrible movie. And I'm tired. I'm tired of think piecers and do nothings and whatever. Uh, What say you brothers? Did you first of all, did you see soul? You know, Reef ain't see it. He ain't got no cable. 
<laughs> you don't actually need cable to see Soul, but you know, you need Disney Plus. Uh, ooh, ooh, ooh! Did you see it, Reef? Yeah, I, I actually did see it. Oh, you yeah. saw it? Okay, okay. I mean, it was. I mean, it was okay. I mean, I, oh lord, here we I go. I mean, I, I like. I, I, I could see. I'm a, I might have to watch it again. Well, I was feel tired. Like, feel, like, and, feel like this, Sharif. The question I mean, is: Do you think it was damaging to black people? <laughs> like, yeah, do you think it was a problem? Bro, I, I, mean, I mean, listen, I, 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 I think I texted you. I don't know if I tweeted or texted back to you. Like, so in my family, we're always like overanalyzing movies. So the first thing, my kids are all around. I'm like, oh, look at that. Black guy died already. You can't get out of a movie <laughs> without, without a black person. The first person is going to die. Is gonna, you know, he the main character and still die. Like, like that, you know, but. The movie is Soul. It's all about, you know, all of that, the life and all that kind of perspective. So, you know, we were talking trash throughout the, you know, throughout the joint. But overall, it was okay. Yeah, it was all right. Yeah, did you see it, Ray? Right. I did see it. Um, and did, uh, did, did you think it was worthy of think piecing to death? Man, I, I <laughs> so I saw it and then um, I was past a, uh, a, a Instagram post. On uh, on who the uh, who the cat should have been and, and, and why it was racist. Am <laughs> I like you will get that shit from in front of me, man? Like yo, come on, man. It was just a, it was a good time for my family, you know. And and and, and I I need we needed that. We needed a recharge. We didn't need to think peace. And uh, I think listen, this way where I come from, anything that's made deserves a think piece. I don't have any problem critiquing anything that ain't made by us, <laughs> from us, and even then. It's just no, but it be- was made by us. That's the problem. I'm That's about, the like, problem. I'm talking about us, us totally. Like, you know what I mean? 100 You talking about me and you or other black people? No, I'm talking about everybody. Like, so oh. I'm talking about, I'm talking about like, yeah, if, if a movie is made, you ain't black, so. I'm talking about if, if, a movie, if a movie is made, I, I don't have a problem with it, with critiquing it. You know, particularly when we look at how media has used yeah. race and power. I don't have, so I don't have a problem. Pixar, yeah, they could they could get some. Like even if it's I mean, you can get some. But here, right? what, here, it's not even. I agree with you, right? You can critique things, right? But this is when you you. But have you and just go with me real quick on this, Reed. Have you ever just read a think piece and been like, you wrote this just to write a think piece? Like you are fishing and just really trying. It's and like asking me if I heard somebody talk who just wanted to talk. Exactly right. Exactly, and that, and that's what it, my thing <laughs> was. Look, let these people, let these kids enjoy is this. There a mirror in the, is there a mirror in the bunker? No, this is what happens. You have like Pixar and you have you have Disney and these other people make movies and you have people write think piece about how there was no people of color in them and you need to hire some people of color. So then Pixar and people like that start greenlighting some projects from black studios and black people who write things like Jingle Jangle, which was amazing and like uh, um, and soul, which I thought was not as amazing, but very good. Right. And then you write a think piece. <laughs> soul was amazing, bro. Give, give, give it his flowers, bro. Yeah, soul was dope. Thank you. But the point is, it's like, look, man, I mean, look, we just going to be upset about some stuff regardless. Constantly. It's like, just, it's, it, the movie was, if you already got Disney Plus, the movie was free for you on Christmas. Watch it or don't watch it. But even bringing back to this, right? Like back to this thing around education. Let's take the think piece point and now let's bring it into the education side because there's a lot of people, right? Regardless when things are working or not working or whatever the case is, they're going to find something wrong with it and they don't really give out real answers. If the end of your, this is how I feel about 2021. If the end of your think piece is the conclusion that the system doing what it's supposed to do, your think piece is trash. If the end of your think piece finding is that, well, we just 
um, we need more money in schools and that's the only fine. Then you, you, you think piece is trash. Like at this point, you are constantly screaming into the sky that one plus one is two and you're not offering nothing of substance for people. Right now, don't allow anybody else to continue to make money and time and clicks and attention off of black and brown people with no substance. If you're not saying nothing, reject that shit. Because we have kids that are dying and kids will die, 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 die. And they'll have two kids that get through that was going to get through regardless with or without that teacher. And that teacher will stand up and take all the credit. But Mm -hmm. when you ask him about the kid that was sitting next to him, then it ain't none of his fault. And that's a problem, man. I think for me. That's the place where I'm just getting to where it's like, stop pulling the okie doke on our people because white folks demand quality. And here's the thing. I don't care what white people are doing, but they know who to take those arguments to. They know who stuff to bother. I mean, listen, I, Frozen did part two with a cash grab and I didn't get a whole bunch of stuff passed to me on Instagram and Twitter about Frozen. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like because it ain't no market in that. It's not you can't you can't blow up and become a celebrity or a super woke celebrity right in that space because don't nobody want to hear that shit because all them kids love frozen and little girls is wearing the the, the the dresses and all that stuff in the middle of March. So that was that's that was just kind of sorry. I didn't mean to go off on that, man. Bro, I just hey, but that's, a, that's the same thing. With, that's the same thing with some of these edu celebs, bro. Like they out here champion champion uh teachers or whatever that they know certain teachers ain't doing the right shit but they still now, now, who, now, uh, who would you call an ed celeb Sharif, this is where you and I stay out of it because Chris and Ray about to be messed. <laughs> no, no, I just, I just want to know like who would like uh, not, name I'm names. Not, what's so, what's yeah, an Ed Celeb? Get Ray, Ray and Chris get what is, do tell. And my, my closing thoughts are now, this. Now, I got, yeah, Ray, you know I got your back. Go ahead and say yeah, it. I'm, I'm my, ready. I'm ready to swing on who else. Closing thoughts are this. <laughs> Three Times Dope Podcast is coming on on Tuesday night at 8 p.m. We got Dr. Hayes. We got Dr. Simmons. We got Reverend Parker. And they are talking about the COVID vaccine on Tuesday. Uh, they got three MDs they're bringing on. And, yo, if you haven't checked out Three Times Dope, please check them out. They're about three episodes in. They're doing numbers and they're doing work. Shout out to them boys. Shout out to AOS. Shout out to Libations. We out here. Gang, gang. Hey, wait, stay, stay on Ray. So dude, I'm, that's cool. I, and I, I definitely will support that. And I'll be watching. And I'll be resharing. You still get your final thought, though, brother. L- a- a- listen, as the only school systems leader on this podcast that yeah. is actually doing the stuff that we're talking about, that is actually making sure that kids are learning and you are constantly checking and reassessing. I need you to, like, give us some of that wisdom to lead these people with because you do it all the time and you should be really upset because people telling you what ain't possible and you do it every day. Yeah, I think, but that's 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 one of the things. Uh, that's that's one of my motivations to keep doing it is because when people tell you that it's not possible, you got to do the difficult twice as fast. And so with me, I, I what if I'm giving a message to parents? My first message is to parents is um, don't go into this situation blindly. Don't go into it with blind trust. I know a lot of you guys that are from uh from from our generation that are parents now. Uh, when our parents sent us to school, the teacher could do no wrong. Um and you know, I, I don't want you guys to go into the situation with blind trust anymore. I want you to mm. believe what your kids say. So when your kids come home and you have informed conversations with them about how they feel, how the school system is making them feel, please uh, take that into, into consideration. Because suicide amongst uh, teens uh, is up. And a lot of that has to do with the traumas that they experience, not just at home, 
but the traumas that they experience at school as well. Sometimes school can be very traumatic for folks. If you are a teacher in a system, shout out to you, especially for those that are working their asses off, that want to be in the building right now, that know that if they're in the building, the type of the type of movement that their kids are going to make, the, the, the folks that are hungry, the folks that took this break to recharge, but then also, you know, took a couple of days to say, you know what, let me get ahead in my planning. Let me get right for my kids because, you know, I don't want them to be at the same place that I'm at in case I got to push those kids that are excelling a little bit more. And then for uh, you school leaders, listen, you got to put your ego to the side. I've seen schools close because school leaders could not put their egos to the side and ask for help. If your school is not doing the numbers that you wanted to do, if you're not competitive with, 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 with the folks that, you know, can come in and close your school down, please reach out to, for help with somebody that's doing it right. Somebody that's, that, that can come in and, and give you assistance or whatever. Like, please reach out. Please reach out to Reef because Reef is the big homie. That's a good segue. So, Reef, final words, man. Yeah, I, w- I would say, you know, part of it is, you know, as Public Enemy used to say, "Yo, bum rush the show," like that's that's what should be happening in uh, in several different ways. Not just, and I'm not just talking about like you know the classroom, the principals, uh, leaders. As parents, you have to bum rush the show, and you should be bringing people who call themselves leaders in all these aspects of your life, like who you're listening to on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and in these you know church and and massages and and elsewhere. Like if you are if you have other community leaders, if you have politicians, if you have po- if you have politicians who give out turkeys but don't talk about education, then they're trying to bamboozle you. They're trying to, you know, feed you but not feed you, right? Like, because mm-hmm. part of eating is ensuring that your grandchildren can also eat. And that turkey is going to last one day. What's going to last them a lifetime is their education, right? And so make sure that all of these folks who call themselves community leaders, community activists, if they're not talking about education nonstop, if they're not talking about collectively holding people accountable in this entire ecosystem, then they just yap it, right? Like, and so just like those extra, you know, um, think pieces that are unnecessary, people are talking, you know, Mm -hmm. unnecessarily, right? And not using rhetoric, but don't know anything about reading. Not talking about like, oh, here's what educational justice looks like in this community that I'm leading. And Mm -hmm. so we need more people like like a, a Marshall Mitchell, who's a reverend, but also is not like just constantly in pushing about education because he also understands education, right? He's not the the faith-based leader or a political leader that that is just part of the talented tenth. He's like, no, this is this is absolutely a lifeline for us as a community, right? And so if we realize like the Nguzo Saba and and use that that cooperative work and, and responsibility, that 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 that, that, that unity. That self-determination, all of that has to come into play if we're going to uh, work on our children. Great education means that the grandchild is, has a better life trajectory. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't, then it impacts. It's not just that individual. And so our community, our children, our village, stop telling us that the vill- it takes a, na- a village to raise a child, right? Stop telling us that because it doesn't. <laughs> it takes education and activists in the village, right? Not Just the village itself ain't going to do nothing. Village has to be organized and active and, and understanding of, of what has to happen. So let's bum rush the show and, and, and keep people accountable and not just in the system, outside of the system too. 
Mm, they get off that channel zero. Um, so we're going to go over to Charles. What's up, Charles? Last words, man. Thank you much, man. Uh, I'll try to go quick. One, this is not Sage, though. This is this Palo Salto. Uh, you can't really see it. It's, yes, Palo there, Salto. there you go. It, it Minnesota, is not, we call those blunts. This is not a blunt. This is a piece of wood. Okay? It's Palo Santo wood. Uh, I am not a, I, I am not, I, I'm not a, a stage person. But, uh, but I'm going to say this, man. Everybody listening, you need to stay on your square. And this is what I mean. I'm gonna, and Three points, and I'll try to go quickly with this, right? But this is what it means to stay on your square, okay? The first point is you need to set real collective, ambitious, and measurable goals, okay? Goals should start and end with you as a village, as a parent, as a community, as a family. So whatever the school is setting for my child, you know what I'm saying? Whatever it is, you feel me? Like... Your 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 goals for your child or for yourself, if you're the student, should be higher than what these people set for you. OK, Master P said, if these white people offer me one hundred million dollars, I had to be worth at least five hundred. So, like, really remember that the other part around staying on your square. Right. Is look beyond your school for support. Uh, look in your community and look at the people in your community. You have a wealth of knowledge around you. So maybe you don't have a bunch of information about how school things work. But if you're listening to this podcast, you are you are no more than one or two degrees separated from people that are experts in it. Right. And that means you got friends and you can be the outlet for those people. You know what I mean? Like you have an education and understanding what's going on around this stuff with your kids is really important to have. And I think finally, man, you are not crazy. All right. You have decades upon decades of data that show you that your child is less valued in this public school system. You have decades showing you that your child, as Chris would say, is the new cotton of the economy in this educational system, okay? Well, we will send out people like slave catchers to go and find your kid if they <clears> are <throat> or not going to school or not logging into Zoom, but they don't have that same energy when half the school can't read. That's to tell you everything that you need and you are not crazy. All right. So now take that energy of you not being crazy and understanding that ain't nobody coming to save you. There is no Superman. There is nobody coming. All right. You know what I'm saying? And this system is built off the backs of your child. Now, if you understand that now you're going to move different. And like Chris said, Reef said, and Ray, bum rush the stage now knowing that, you know what I'm saying? Like the think about things that you value in your own life. Think about if you go to your favorite restaurant that you always get in the food is top quality. And one day they got a new chef and they bring you some shit that ain't what you ordered and what you want. Do not be afraid to send the food back. Don't be afraid to ask to talk to the chef. That right stop, there. Acting, stop, stop being happy to be in the room and be in the restaurant. No, fuck that. You paying your money. They, you paying your money with your kids body and their minds and their time. You get to you get to you get to demand fine cuisine. All right. So that's what I would say. And don't feel no way about it. And if you do feel some kind of way, then tap into this network and we will have your back and make sure that whatever you tripping off of, we will let you know you ain't crazy. Mm. Hey, so that? real quick, real quick. Mama Toya said something about uh, about the students in the um because I didn't address the students. So what I want to say to every student that's out there right now. I think I'm going to cut this up and give it to my students as well. Uh, you guys are amazing. You guys have proved this system wrong. For all of you that are logging on every day, that are, are moving into those Zoom rooms and that are requesting uh, to have private spaces in order to have conversations, 
for those kids that weren't necessarily raising their hands in, in, in in-person instruction, but are knocking it out the park on Zoom that are found, found alternative ways to learn that kind of captivate their thinking and how they want to learn. Shout out to y'all, man. Y'all are amazing, right? And keep doing what you need to do. And hopefully we can keep the system to the point to where you can learn the way that you need to learn without having to be uh, in, in a space that don't love you. you know? For those people that have, have taken and have uh, have been successful with learning at home, that needs to continue. And so shout out to shout out to the students and shout out to the parents for keeping the students accountable. Um, so my final words are this. There, there's a viral video that's going around that a lot of people have seen uh, of a famous jazz musician and his 14-year-old son. They come down the elevator in a hotel in New York. They get out the elevator. And there's a woman there who starts accusing his son of stealing her iPhone. And she makes a big deal out of it. And the hotel manager wants to ask the dad to have the kid show her his phone. And the dad is like, hell no, this woman has nothing that, you know, you saw me just get off this elevator, whatever. So the woman runs at them and makes a dash and she tackles the 14 year old. <laughs> what? To see the phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're calling her Soho Karen or whatnot. Right. Um, it's all over. They finally figure out who she is and they've got her all over the news and whatnot. And she doesn't give a damn. She would, she, she threatened, all kinds of ways. Turns out that an Uber driver brought her phone back later. She had left her her phone in the Uber, right? That's wild. So I only bring this up because I, I was I was thinking, what would you do if you came down the elevator, the elevator door opens and some white woman starts accusing your son, your 14 year old, but then tackles him. Because yeah, she tackled him. She ran after him and tackled him. And I thought all, all like she was Bill Goldberg. <laughs> right. And I, like, I'm sitting there thinking all the things that a black parent would think. Like, what would you do in this situation for real? Right? Like, what would you do? I, well, my old lady would have whooped her. <laughs> now, it was just him and his son. So there was no old lady. And, and I'm thinking, okay, so as a dad, what would you do if some woman runs and tackles your 14 year old son? Don't touch my kids. Listen, I, I, I don't, don't hit, don't, don't hit other people. Don't do what you touch my kid. I don't care about none of that. I, it's written in your DNA to protect your children. And, and I'll ask the people in the comments. It's going to be a problem. Same question in the comments. You know, what would y'all do if you came out, out the elevator in a hotel? Now, I tell this story for a reason because because I know what the answer is. Certain instincts will kick in. That's right? what they do in your damn schools right now, mentally to your kids. This is my point. My point is think of that woman as illiteracy, right? <laughs> think of that woman as illiteracy and think of the hotel as school. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Think, hold on, hold on, think on, of the manager. Think of the manager who's telling you, "I'm just trying to help here as the principal," and think of you as the parent, and that's your child about to be tackled by illiteracy. You wouldn't have much inner think going on. Bro. You wouldn't. Your, your, your fight or flight is what I'm trying to tap into right now. Your sense of your child is in danger and you can do something about it. And you're not going to sit around and ask yourself a whole bunch of questions of whether you're qualified or not. You're going to beat illiteracy's asses right there. Right. Hey, the, the super the super producer should have put the whole screen on you right there because that was a vibe right there. But I can't believe you think you thought piece that video. 
I'm not think basing it. I'm just saying I'm using it as a as an analogy in that your fight or flight senses with what's going on in school sometimes can be numbed by all the 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 stuff that goes on, you know, the little, you know, family nights and the little nice little notes they send home and the little flyers and it puts you to sleep. But your fight or flight senses should be going off. Your child is not reading. And and this year it's two years behind and next year is three years behind and four years. And then you wake up in ninth and 10th grade and 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 you have a whole different child than you should have had. Um, so the, all I'm saying right now is parents, your fight or flight senses should be going off. You should be defending your child's intellectual development like there is like there's nothing to stop you. You should be a problem this year as much as you possibly can, not only because you should be doing that anyways every year, but specifically because we're in a special time now where we're going to be losing even more. Like our, our kids are losing even more ground than they would normally lose. So my main point is everything I heard the brothers say tonight, I think is actually right up the, 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 the where I want to be. Um, expose great schools and, and lift them up and share share information about them. Set the bar, as Sharif said earlier, and let's set a public bar. And at least the public bar is your child's a genius. Your child should be on grade level no matter what. Period. That's at least the, the the minimum bar should be my child is a black genius and grade level is the lowest of the lowest rungs that we're going to do right now. So I'm going to ask you about it. And if we're not there, you're not. We're going to need a plan. And if you can't give me a plan and you can't work on a plan, we're going to need to talk to more people. We have to get Karenista on this. Let me talk to your manager. Right. <laughs> Let's because 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 someone is going to have to hand us a plan because the, the, the discussion doesn't end with, oh, you're not on grade level. <laughs> right. Right. That's not the end of the discussion. Right. So that's all I'm saying. And then when we the, the thing I said earlier to me is most important. Don't be a problem by yourself because it's all our kids that really we're looking out for. So let's work together. Let's help each other be problems and let's have each other's back. Um, this has been the first episode of the eight black hands for the 2020 year. And I think it was a fantastic 21. show because 21, I'm sorry. Uh, um, and I'm thinking it's fantastic because we got all four of us here. You know, last week we had a little bit of a, a, a dropout, but we recovered him. He's been remediated. Um, he's back again. He has no lighting uh, in his studio. He looks like he's in an interrogation room, but Sharif, welcome back, brother. We appreciate you. We appreciate you. Um, to all our, uh, our watchers and listeners and whatnot, we really do respect this as a community. We really do love that we see your names over and over again. We hear from you and you drop knowledge in the comments. What we're going to ask you to do every time we talk to you this year, though, is to share this with friends. Share this with friends and family, because in 2021, we want to make a bigger impact for the time that we devote to this. We want more people um, tapping into this as a network. And we're tired of the brilliance in our network being hidden. So we want to share it with you and with everybody else. Thank you all for watching. We'll see you next week for another great episode. You have been listening to the Eight Black Hands podcast with Ankrum, Cole, El Mecky, and Stuart. If you like what you heard, follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at 8BlackHands1. Thank you for listening.